You are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four-volume, over 2,500-page work by the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you would like to discuss today's reading, head on over to Facebook to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group, and there you'll be able to interact with others who are listening and following along and share your own insights about today's reading. Now, let us thank God for the life of Venerable Maria of Agreda. Almighty God, you will that all people know the saving power of Jesus' name. Throughout time, you have sent missionaries to your people who proclaim the good news. We thank you for sending Sor Maria to the Humano people and planting the seeds of the gospel in their heart and in our land. She taught them the good news and prepared them for baptism. We look to her example in holy life and wish to be taught by her today. Sor Maria, teach us how to pray and meditate. Teach us how to imitate the virtues of Our Lady. Teach us the mysteries of our faith. Almighty God, stir aflame in our hearts the same missionary fervor of Sor Maria, so we may be as emboldened as she was to proclaim the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. Amen. Today is day number 223. And we are reading from Volume 3, Book 6, Chapter 4, Paragraphs 361 to 367. 361. During the imprisonment of St. John brought about by Herodias, he was much favored by our Savior and by his mother. The lady comforted him many times by sending her holy angels, sometimes also ordering them to prepare and bring him nourishment. The Lord also conferred on him many interior graces and favors, but the demon who wished to destroy him gave no rest to Herodias until he should see him dead. He eagerly seized the occasion of the banquet, inciting Herod to utter the foolish promise and oath for the sake of Herodias's daughter and confusing his mind so that he impiously looked upon a failure to fulfill his sworn promise as a sign and as a dishonor and thus in his blindness He delivered the head of the Baptist to the dancing girl, as is related in the gospel. At the same time, the queen of the world was, in the usual manner, made aware of the interior will of her most holy son, that the hour of martyrdom had arrived for the Baptist, and that he should give his life and testimony of the truths he had preached. The most pure mother prostrated herself at the feet of Christ our Lord, and cheerfully implored him to assist his servant and precursor in that hour, to comfort and console him, and that his death might be so much the more precious in his eyes in view of his suffering for the honor and defense of the truth. 3.62 The Savior responded to her petition with much pleasure, saying that he would fulfill it entirely, and bidding her immediately to accompany him on a visit to St. John. Then Christ and his Holy Mother were miraculously and invisibly born to the dungeon cell where St. John lay fettered in chains, and wounded in many parts of his body, for the wicked adulteress, wishing to do away with him, had ordered some of the servants, six on three different occasions, to scourge and maltreat him, which they actually did in order to please their mistress. By these means this tigress had attempted to murder the Baptist before the banquet at which Herod commanded him to be beheaded. The devil incited these cruel henchmen to assail St. John with vilest insults and bodily ill-treatment, for they were most wicked men, fit servants of such an accursed and infamous adulteress. 
The presence of Christ and his blessed mother filled that foul prison of the Baptist with celestial light, while the other parts of the palace of Herod were infested by innumerable demons and sycophants more criminal than the state prisoners in their dungeons below. The cell of St. John was entirely sanctified by the presence of the Sovereign of Heaven, who were accompanied by a great host of angels. 363. As soon as the precursor beheld before him the Redeemer and his mother in the midst of the angelic hosts, his chains fell from him and his wounds were healed. With ineffable joy he prostrated himself on the ground, and in deepest humility and admiration asked the blessing of the incarnate word and his blessed mother. Having fulfilled his request, they remained for some time holding divine converse with their friend and servant, which I cannot all repeat here though I will mention some of what impressed itself more vividly on my dull mind. In kindest tone and manner, the Savior said, John, my servant, how eagerly thou pressest on to be persecuted, imprisoned, and scourged, and to offer thy life for the glory of my Father, even before I myself enter upon my sufferings. The desires are quickly approaching their fulfillment, since thou art soon to enjoy the reward of the suffering tribulations, such as I myself have in view of my humanity. But it is thus the Eternal Father rewards the zeal with which thou hast fulfilled the office of being my precursor. Let thy loving anxieties now cease, and offer thy neck to the axe, for such is my wish, and thus shalt thou enjoy the happiness of suffering and dying for my name. I offer to the Eternal Father thy life, in order that mine be yet prolonged. 364. The sweetness and power of these words penetrated the heart of the Baptist and filled it with such delights of the divine love that for a time he could not give any answer, but being reinforced by divine grace and dissolved in tears, he thanked his Lord and Master for the ineffable favor of this visit, which was now added to so many other great ones he had received at his hands. And with sighs of love from his inmost soul, he said, my eternal God and Lord, I cannot ever merit pains or sufferings worthy of such a great consolation and privilege as that of enjoying thy divine presence, and that of thy exalted mother, my mistress. Altogether unworthy am I of this new blessing, in order that thy boundless mercy may be exalted. Permit me, Lord, to die before thee, so that thy holy name may be made more widely known, and look with favor on my desire of enduring the most painful and lingering death. Let Herod and sin and hell itself triumph over me in my death, for I offer my life for thee, my beloved, in the joy of my heart. Receive it, my God, as a pleasing sacrifice. And thou, mother of my Savior and my mistress, turn thy most loving eyes in clemency upon thy servant, and continue to show him thy favor as a mother and as a cause of all blessing. During all my life I have despised vanities and loved the cross which is to be sanctified by my Redeemer." I have desired to sow in tears, but never could I have merited the delight of such a visit, which has sweetened all my sufferings, gladdened my bondage, and makes death itself more pleasing and acceptable than life. 365. While they were yet engaged in this conversation, three servants of Herod entered his prison with a hangman ready to execute upon him the implacable fury of the cruel adulteress. St. John presented his neck, and the executioner fulfilled the impious order of Herod by cutting off his head. The high priest Christ, at the same moment, received in his arms the body of the saint, while his blessed mother held his head in her hands. 
both of them offering this victim to the Eternal Father on the altar of their sacred hands. This was possible not only because two sovereigns of the world were invisible, but also because the servants of Herod had begun to quarrel as to which of them should flatter the infamous dancer and her mother by bringing them the head of St. John. In their dispute, one of them, without paying attention to any other circumstance, snatched the head from the hands of the Queen of Heaven, and the rest of them followed in order to offer it on a plate to the daughter of Herodias. The sacred soul of the Baptist and the company of the multitude of angels was sent to limbo, and its arrival renewed the joy of the holy souls there imprisoned. The sovereigns of heaven returned to the place whence they had come. Of the holiness and excellence of the great precursor, many things are written in the church, and although I have been informed of several other mysteries concerning him, which I could relate, I cannot depart from my original purpose or extend this history in writing of them. I wish only to say that the fortunate and blessed precursor of Christ, received great favors at the hands of Christ the Redeemer and his Holy Mother during the whole course of his life, in his happy birth, his stay in the desert, his preaching, and in his holy death. Such wonders were wrought for no other man by the right hand of God. Instruction given to me by the Most Holy Queen, Mary. 366. My daughter, thou hast been very short in describing the mysteries of this chapter, Yet a great lesson is contained therein, for thee and all the children of light. Write it in thy heart, and notice well the great difference between the innocence and holiness of the Baptist, who was poor, afflicted, persecuted, and imprisoned, and the abominable wickedness of Herod, the powerful king, who was flattered and served in the midst of his riches and base pleasures. Both were of the same human nature, but entirely different in the sight of God, according as they used ill or well their free will and the created things around them. The penance, poverty, humility, contempt, tribulations of St. John, and his zeal for the glory of my divine Son merited for him the singular favor of dying in our arms. Herod, on the contrary, by his hollow pomp, his pride, vanity, tyranny, and wickedness was struck down by the minister of God, in order to be punished in the eternal flames. Remember that the same happens now and always in the world. Although men do not pay attention to it or fear it, they fear the vain strength of the world, not reflecting that it is but fleeting shadow and withering grass. 367. Just as little do men think of the ultimate end of the abyss into which vices draw them, even in this world. Although the demon cannot take away man's liberty nor ever completely sway his free will, yet by leading them in so many and grievous sins he obtains such an influence over it, that he is enabled to use it as an instrument of the evil he proposes. In spite of witnessing so many and such terrible examples, men remain callous to the fearful danger to which they expose themselves by their sins in imitation of Herod and his adulterous concubine. In order to cast out souls into this abyss of wickedness, Lucifer meets them with the vain pride and honor of this world, and with its base pleasures, representing them as alone important and desirable. Thus the ignorant children of perdition loosen the bonds of reason in order to follow the degrading pleasures of their flesh and be enslaved by their mortal enemy. My daughter, the Savior, and I have taught the way of humility, of contempt, and tribulation. This is the royal road on which we first walked and of which we have set ourselves up as teachers. We are the protectors of all the afflicted and ill-used, ready to assist by miraculous and special favors all those who call upon us in their necessities. Of this assistance and protection, the followers of this world and its vain pleasures deprive themselves, 
since they have the way of the cross. To the cross thou wast called and invited, and on account of it thou art favored with the sweetness of my loving guidance. Follow me and labor to imitate me, since thou hast found the secret treasure, Matthew 12.44, and the precious pearl for the possession of which thou must despise all that is earthly, and give up all human freedom in so far as it is contrary to the pleasure of my most exalted Lord. This concludes our reading today for day number 223. We've been reading from volume 3, book 6, chapter 4, paragraphs 361 to 367. I always am impressed by Our Lady who sends her angels to different people, just as she sent her angel to John the Baptist while he was in the desert, just as she sent her angel to Jesus when he also was undergoing his temptation. And now we heard today that the lady comforted him many times, comforted John the Baptist by sending her holy angel, sometimes also ordering them to prepare and bring him nourishment. And it just makes me think, and I've said this probably many times in reference to this, but we can also send our guardian angel somewhere. If you have someone that is sick in a different state and you're unable to be there, of course, call them, yes, talk to them, but maybe send your angel there to help them and assist them for a moment. Just as Our Lady sent her angels, you can send your angel to your student, to your child who is off at college, Send my guardian angel this night to protect them. And surely God will look favorably upon that request. And John the Baptist is beheaded in the reading that we heard today. And Jesus said to him, John, my servant, how eagerly thou pressest on to be persecuted in prison and scourged and to offer thy life for the glory of my father, even before I myself enter upon my sufferings. You would have to think that for the apostles who know St. John the Baptist, who see the relationship, perhaps, of Jesus and John the Baptist, that as they know that John the Baptist is beheaded, that they realize the one that they're following could follow a very similar fate. John the Baptist is the precursor. He goes before Christ in everything. And for John the Baptist, even in death, he goes before Jesus. He prepares the way. The persecution of a religious leader, John the Baptist, because he ruffles feathers. Well, imagine the teachings of Jesus, and we see it all throughout the Gospels. They get upset that he talks with sinners, that he dines with them, that he you know, has taken a tax collector to be his follower, and the laundry list goes on. They get upset by the things he teaches. Jesus is next. And that's a realization that probably comes home to the apostles. And interestingly, that Jesus and Mary are there. Now, they must have been there transported by God. They must have been there not in a physical sense, but kind of in like an apparition sense, I would think. But there they were to witness it. And maybe a bit peculiar having that, because we know that Jesus receives the notification in the Gospels, and then he weeps. He weeps and goes off to a deserted place because of the death of John the Baptist. But even if Jesus was there, and then he receives the news, it kind of opens up that morning once again. As we consider the death and martyrdom of John the Baptist, 
the mourning of Jesus and his holy mother. Maybe we think about how we've mourned the deaths of others. That as John the Baptist is taken up into limbo, and there we heard of the exalting of the individuals there, probably because they realize that the promised one is soon to come. The one who has been mistaked for John the Baptist. That in our mourning, we can be consoled by the promise of eternal life given to that person we love. And knowing that one day we will rejoice when we are reunited. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on the four volumes of the mystical city of God. I'm grateful you joined me today, and I hope you'll join me again tomorrow. Until then, may God bless you, and Mary pray for you.